Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the Strade Bianche as well as some other races that have taken place the past week. With me here to talk about that is Isam. Yes, thank you for having me. I hope you also enjoyed a nice and entertaining Strade Bianche. Both the men's and women's races were really fun to watch. And we'll start by talking about the men's race because how can we not talk about Tom Pitcock? the former cyclocross world champion who decided to not defend his title so he could focus on his spring campaign this season and well we can conclude already that that was a successful decision with the win in strade bianchi and in some fashion a solo over 50 kilometers with an attack on the monte saint marie master of the gravel and then never getting a big lead but keep fighting keep going and ultimately taking the win as Group 2 was completely finished. That was some ride by Tom Pitcock. It definitely was. I mean, uh, when he launched launched his attack, obviously it was a it was a response. I thought, where are you going with 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 this? This is a bit, um, you know, we have seen it with Pogacar, but that is Pogacar, and and Pitcock until that point I thought was not going to be able to succeed in such a move. But then he had the gap and. Yeah, he he just went for it, and you can discuss obviously that tactically, uh, the guys behind made some mistakes. But I think that if you look at his last climb as well, and the way the you know the riders were physically, they were also completely done. And it was it was a very tough race for everyone, including himself. And if you look at his effort, he had uh, I think it was Di Marchi and, and and some dude from from um, from Intermarché. Um, but they were not really supporting him at all, and he had to do it alone. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a very difficult and very hard task to to then fulfill. But he managed, and they could almost touch him, but it was not enough. And I think in the end, uh, surprised me a little bit with his performance, and shows that he's uh, completely ready for this spring classic season. The moment to attack was pretty good because usually that sector the Cancellara Serato is one where the race is often decided if we look way back at the 2020 edition Van der Poel already got dropped there but in 2021 a big group of favorites which then included Van der Poel was able to ride away there so it made sense to like open the race on that section it was just unlucky that nobody came with him and as you said, I was also doubting if he would make it. For a while, I was pretty optimistic. But then once Yumo had two guys in the second group, it became difficult. But there was no cohesion behind. And I think there were multiple reasons for that. One, there was no clear decision made by Yumbo who is going to be chasing. Is it going to be Walter working for Benoit or vice versa? And then you have a couple of riders who are in that group and are thinking, well, what am I going to be doing here? There's two riders from Jumbo here. Am I going to cooperate fully and then have me being beaten by one of them or am I going to save energy? Riders like Costa and Madua, but also Mohoric, so basically all the others in that group were thinking, well, I'm not going to be doing it because then I'm just going to be working for Jumbo's sake and they didn't feel like doing that and that's often the case in groups like that so either one of the Jumbo should have worked or it would have been better which 
is just a hypothetical scenario if one of the Yumbos wouldn't have been there. I think with just one Yumbo, the cooperation would have been better, and they could have been able to catch Pitcock because the constant attack, stop, attack, stop, that just doesn't close gaps. And it was the most telling when they were already in Siena. It's like a really nasty thing. You're already in Siena. You need to do a loop around the entire city, including a climb, before you reach the final climb towards the finish. And on that penultimate climb, Pitcock was suffering and they could see him. They could almost touch him. But the final five, six seconds just didn't get closed. And it's pretty common that nobody closes it, either because they are dead or because they think they have it or don't want to waste the energy on the final bit. I've been in that situation many times myself in the peloton. You chase for 15 kilometers behind the breakaway. The gap goes down to five seconds. Everybody stops like, oh, finally we got them. Gap goes up to 10 seconds again and you can go chasing for another five kilometers again. Super annoying situation to be in, but Pitcock did it in the end and it's a combination, I think. One, he had the advantage with most cyclocross riders have you just save energy on the gravel sections but his form was also good like if he would have been caught i don't know if that would have meant that he would have lost the race i mean if he would have been caught in the final five kilometers probably but if they had worked better together earlier i'm not sure that he would not have won anyway because his final climb still looked pretty good yeah, absolutely. I think his final climb was was strong, and then, like you said, the um, the group behind it was it was very difficult for them to, you know, work together because, like you said, you have two from Jumbo with Benoit and Attila Walter, and then it's very difficult for the the other riders to to be not looking at them and 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 you know, l- give them the responsibility of closing the gap and. It was up to Jumbo to decide if they were going to to play one card and you know uh, kind of disable one of the riders' chances, but they didn't really do so. And then you end up in a situation where both riders kind of work, but it's you know it's in the same kind of trend that the, the other riders are, are are working at that point. You know they are all looking at each other a little bit, and some riders are content with second or with third, and they are saving as much as they can and. You know, it was a brutal race that that as as we have seen a couple of years already that opens on on that uh, long section, and then from there on it's just you know there is not really a lot of teammates that you have around you, and the leaders are alone, and then they have to make decisions that that they can't decide the race. But you know, we shouldn't really look too much into the tactics. I think overall the the performance of Pitcock was was super impressive, very strong. And uh, a confirmation of of something that he is able to do, and you know, I I just look forward to what he can show us next in the next couple of races. But I think for now, for him on the road, big success. The same can't be said for his successor at the World Championship Cyclocross, Mathieu van der Poel. Of course, became world champion in Hogerheide. Expectations were high. He did not have a good day. He ended fifteenth. His story was that he expected that, the form isn't there yet, he's not worried. Do you think we, however, should be worried about his form? Because the entire Alps and the Koning team has made a very poor impression so far this season. Only World Tour team without any wins. Van der Poel was the best finisher in 15th and his teammates were nowhere to be seen. 
like you said, the, the, the results so far of Alpes in the Koenig overall have not been great. Uh, one of their leaders as well, Jasper Phillips, obviously had some bad luck, but it, it, it's not really showing uh, the potential that the team has. And, you know, for Van der Poel, if we talk about him specifically, I think it's in a way a little bit worrying, but we kind of also know that Van der Poel sometimes need a couple of races to get in a rhythm to get a good form out of it and that should now be the case I guess and I think that it's a bit too early to draw any conclusions and say that the season of Van der Poel is over with one race there's still you know he has a Tireno where he has to go through and then Milan Saremo then he goes to Edri so I think that after Tireno and Milan Saremo you can start to draw small conclusions and and, and become a little bit more worried. And after Adri, you can really, you know, I think the cards will be will be shown in, in Adri. And if he is not great in Adri and it is uh, as terrible as in Strada, which I don't expect, but let's just assume that it will be the case uh, in such a way that, that it's not going to be great in Adri, then it's going to be uh, difficult, I guess. And then you can worry about it. But for now, you know, Van der Poel is, is, a, is a class rider on the road and, I, I think that he knows what he is doing um, and we shouldn't be too worried about one bad result. Yeah, there's still time and Van der Poel is a rider that needs races to get himself into form and I question why they changed the season approach of Van der Poel. I wonder if they thought what they did last season was a bit of a success because if we look back to how he usually prepares his season, his first real road season was 2019 and he started in the tour of antalya which then was still important for his sponsor corindon and from there on he rolled into the classics in 2020 they were planning to do the same starting with a week in algarve just low pace racing for him and then rolling into the classics of course the classics got cancelled due to covid but that was their plan in 2021 their plan was to start their season with the uae tour but after the second stage van der poel won the first stage by the way there was covid in the team so they had to cancel but before the first big goal strade van der poel went to a number of belgian races he raced kurne and lusamin last year their plan was also to come in of course after an injury with a one-week stage race copier bartali but he was ultimately raced or rushed into competition with Milan Sanremo, third place there. So I wonder if that gave them the thought of, okay, well, let's just try and see how we can do in Strade based on what we did last season with Sanremo, or if it's more of a thought leaning more towards altitude training and sacrificing the first classics of the season, which ultimately aren't as important as, of course, the Tour Flanders and Paris-Roubaix. But it's interesting, and I think, as you say, it's of no reason to panic. But at the moment, I don't think the morale is super high in Alpes in the Koning. They are here with their strongest classic squad they have ever had, but the results just aren't there. Groves was disappointing today in Paris-Nice, also was disappointing in Kurne. Philipsa had bad luck, but even then, not amazing in the opening weekend. Ka Andersen has been disappointing. Vermeer's not living up to his level that he had in 2021 so far. Riesebeek, idem dito, not at his 2020-2021 level. It, it's not looking all too good at the moment, but 
let's not rush ourselves into conclusions. There's many races to come and the perception can change very quickly. Then the woman's version of the Sahelbianche. Oh. Road to Roadie is what Puck Peters has been saying on her YouTube channel. But that's been going pretty well so far because last week Omloop at Haagland, she apparently crashed there after being relatively strong. But she made up for that in the Strade Bianchi with a 6th place. It's not super surprising to me. The talent should be there. I mean, I, I thought like a top 15, top 20 would have already been a good result. So 6 is still above my expectations. In my prediction for the race, I put her 10th. But regardless if it's surprising or not, impressive with a capital I. Because wow. Maybe just put the entire word in capitals because your debut in the Women's World Tour, first real season doing road again after you've moved to the Elite or on 23 category. And then with the big names, she's beating riders like Nivia Doma, who was fourth here last year. That's some serious stuff. Yeah, some serious, impressive stuff indeed. I think, um, like you said, top 15 was going to be great already. Uh, it is, of course that her advantages can definitely be utilized compared to some some of the women on the road that, that do not have that natural ability and the talent that, that Peters have has in terms of, you know, the technical abilities and the descents with the gravel is quite difficult. And, you know, some just don't have it and some, you know, have just have that ability to go through the corners quite um quite easily and i think peters is <laughs> obviously with uh, the off-road uh, career that she has so far and the experience that she she got from it could definitely be used in a race like strada and yeah i think like you said it was uh super impressive but also the riders that she was that was racing with was was also impressive i guess and uh it is a very 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 strong result from her and I, I think this should be for her and uh, a sign that that there is also some result possible on on on, on the road and um, you know it's going to be interesting what she decides to do next what what the plans are for the road in, in the next coming years but uh, I think that she that that she, that she has to come back to this race because I think that there is there is more possible than she already achieved which already was great. Well, I can only assume she will be coming back. I don't know what the rest of her program is. I don't have a clear picture on that, but I assume she will be doing the campaign of classics. I don't think she's scheduled for GP Utinge, which is the next race on my radar for the women's side, but it will, I think she will be doing Nokere and then probably... Gendwevegem to her Flanders. I don't know what, her, what the plans are with her. Like, Are they going to try to take her to the Ardennes? I haven't really seen any clear communication on that. But nevertheless, it was a real strong showing. And as you said, she will of course have had the advantage on the gravel. And I could see that in the downhill corner when I rewatched it in the the, the Tolfe section. Like, well, That corner was good. And ultimately, that was the part that necked her. Like, it, it was enough there. She couldn't follow the attack which we saw by Lotte Kopecki there. But that's fine. And again, I can only say it's super impressive to get such a result. Maybe not the most surprising. But 
I can only think like if Puk Peters is able of doing this, oh I would, man, I would have loved to see Fem van Empel do this race because with all the respect for Petersen, I do think there's more road potential in Fem van Empel. And I wonder what Jumbo's plans are with her. The current road schedule is Volta Limburg Classic, then Brabant Sapel, and then Waalsapel. So Flesh Brabantson and Flesh Wallon. I, I just don't know what their plans are like. They will know what they're doing based on the numbers. Jumbo, we know, has a very scientific approach to it. But I just hope that her numbers are good and that they just say, like, say okay, we're sending you to the Tour of Flanders or we're adding Amstel Gold Race or just some of these races. So I, I just hope that there's more to come because I'm just always excited to see road riders do or cross riders do well on the road. So... Yeah, that's just what I'm thinking. Uh, there was more to be seen in the women's strade. Yara Kastelein, decent showing, 15th place for her. And then we saw a disappointing performance by Sylvia Persico. I do question the plans of UAE with her because she raced the UAE Tour. Uh, yeah, what can we even say about that, Isam? Because why... Okay, besides sponsor objectives like for the UAE team... The sports washing in the UAE Tour, but why send Persico to the UAE Tour, letting her race for GC five days after she peaked at Cyclocross World Championships? That does not seem smart to me at all. <laughs> I don't know. There, there must be a plan behind that, but it's uh, logically it doesn't make sense, and it's uh, it, it could be something that is at the moment not really helping her out in terms of results. And I don't know if it was only uh, the form that that resulted in such a result or was a crash or what was but now i can help you fill that in because the story was this was mentioned on sports ad during lusamin that initially she was not supposed to start strada bianchi because at an out of competition doping control where they took blood from her after taking blood or whilst the procedure was taking place she passed out and needed to take some rest following that so in terms of results i'm not necessarily saying that's the case of the UAE tour but more okay it's unfortunate this happens and the result in Strad is bad but in the first place like as a UAE team sure you want to do well in your home race but it's not smart to have your rider peak for cyclocross worlds and five days later put her in the road race in the desert and make a race for GC yeah of course in that way it's um yeah, it's definitely not 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 the smartest thing to do. But you know, they pay the salaries, and they are the the ones that that decide eventually what what a rider can and cannot do. Um, and they have their interests, obviously, in in what they want to achieve with the team and what they want to achieve in in terms of results. And uh, obviously, Persico has the the potential when she starts at such a race to to do very well. And the team colors were definitely shown in that race, but. Eventually, you you also need to make decisions that 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 are good for the the rider, and I hope really that that it's not going to be, you know be an issue for her in this this spring classic, and that we can see the full potential of her. Um, I think that she will probably go now in, in some sort of a little bit of a rest period, and then comes back. I hope at least. Um, but yeah, it's it's. You know, some teams have very questionable ways of, 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 of programming and 
sponsors play a very big role in that and, and sometimes the interest of a team also plays a role in that as well and in general UE have very questionable staff and I mean that in the sense of their professionalism is nowhere near the level of a team like Jumbo and this is more referring to the men's side I don't have too much insights on the women's side unfortunately but on the men's side like there was an article where Porcha was saying after he got beaten by Vingegaard last year over the winter they started working with more specialized feeding and eating schedules like Jumbo has been doing this for five years already UE is lacking behind and it wouldn't surprise me if they just don't really think it through here and they were also rushing Persico into Stradiv. The initial story is she needs to rest. Why do you let her race anyway? Because clearly it was too early but nevertheless there were some more cyclocross riders that caught my attention in the results and there's always plenty of Italians which is yeah quite Interesting to see so many Italians combining cross and road, more of a thing on the women's side than on the men's side, and there's financial reasons to that, but I saw Sara Casasola, somebody who we saw do the entire cyclocross season, finishing like 70th or something, and uh, Baroni was also racing, she ended 55th, but more interesting, I thought, was Leticia Borghese from EF Education, she did a couple of cross races, ended just outside the top 40, but even better, in 20th, Alice Maria Arzufi, she did not do any cross, but we of course remember her from her triple seven days, interviewed her last year, she was not feeling too happy in that team anymore and is now focusing on the road and she's doing fairly well because the 20th place is good racing for the Karatizit uh, pro cycling team now and 20th is very good and that brings me to another Italian who quit cross the past winter and I think for her it was meant to happen. She just had to quit cross. She took her first pro win today. I am, of course, talking about Gaia Rialini. She won the Trofeo Oro in Euro. And it was a 1-2 together with her teammate Amanda Spratt. She was also good in the UAE Tour already. Dropped everyone except her teammate Longo Borgini. Longo Borgini eventually took the win up the Jebel Hafid. But Rialini, like... Her, her weight on pro cycling stats is 39 kilograms. She's 1 meter 49. It's just not made for cross. Like, she wasn't even that bad at cross. But it's not a real surprise that she does well now on the road. It's a continuation of the development which we initially saw last year with a strong Giro Don. But, yeah, definitely promising to see her do so well. And that's a top climber in the making but the question always will be how does she fare on the flat with such a light weight because we've seen somebody like Sosa being able to climb well on the men's side but really waste all his energy on the flat which is not useful then let's end this podcast with saying that Tim Merlier took another victory won the Castellacos Zonnebeke this season and so far the first race in a stage race so the first stage there has been very nice to him he took the first stage in the Saudi tour then he took the first stage in the UAE tour and he also took the first stage in Paris oh I of course mean tour of Oman not tour 
of the Saudi tour because he became a father during the Saudi tour. So it was the Tour of Oman, UAE tour, and then Paris-Nice. So three stage races so far, winning the first stage. He's collecting some leader jerseys this season, looking good in his new team, Sudal Quickstep. We've covered it then, Issam. Thank you for being here. Great racing in Stradebianche. Fingers crossed for more Puck Petersen. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully uh, that will... Uh... We'll see more races from from her for sure, but uh, yeah, it was a great uh, weekend uh, in Strade, and uh, yeah, we enjoyed it, uh, I think, uh, as much as uh, as everybody else did. We will normally be back in two or three weeks when we'll be covering either Milan Sanremo or the Adrie Harelbeke Genwevegen weekend. We'll just wait a bit on the results, and then after that we will see when we'll be coming back for sure we'll be covering Flanders and Roubaix which is of course fantastic for even soccer cross fans so thanks everyone for listening and we will be back soon goodbye